Well, good morning, Meadowview. Welcome to uh, our, our first ever virtual uh, church uh, where you're watching via video. Uh, we want to welcome you to the service. Glad you're able to tune in. Um, I was thinking this week that, um, you know, though we can't gather in person and that is always the best option, um, we, we all have the spirit and we all have the word. And those are the two essentials, uh, spirit, word. And so uh, I know that despite our inability to be together, uh, the spirit of God's going to work mightily in your life and in your family. And as we get started this, this morning or evening, whenever you're watching this, uh, Josh Chambers is going to come. He's just going to open us up in a word of prayer, pray for our, our uh, particular needs this week. And uh, so he will get us started with prayer this morning. Hello, Meadowview. Let's uh, pray and get this service started. Uh, our prayer requests this week are the Dow family, the Haydens, and uh, just, just a, a unity and growth. Uh, and, and wisdom for our church together, especially as we go just through this weird time right now. And, and it's just different. And, and it, I'm thankful that God is, is our hope and that Jesus is our hope. And I pray that we just stay focused on that. Let's pray. Father, come to you uh, and just so thankful for, for this church, God, and every single person and every single piece of this church. God, I'm thankful that we have real hope in these times, um, whether we're struggling, whatever it may be, that we have the real hope and it's in Christ and, and, and it rests on the cross. God, I just pray that we stay focusing on that through all of this. Uh, please be with all of our missionaries, especially the Dow family, God, to just, just be with them and, and help their mission work, God. Uh, just soften the hearts of the, the airmen that, that, he, that he helps. Uh, I think about the Hayden family, just be with them uh, and just, just help us as a church reach out and, and see what they need and, and, and what we can do to help support them in whatever way we can help support them, God. And I, I think of the church in general, uh, uh, specifically Meadowview Baptist Church, and how we can grow together. You know, we're, we're, we're obeying uh, these, these restrictions, and, and we're not together, but we are, God. Mm -hmm. The same thing that we have in common whenever we're, we're in, present with each other, we have in common when we're not. That's right. God, I pray that we, that we focus on and we use the technology that we have to reach out to each other. There's so many ways we can communicate still. God, just help us do that. God, just pray for our leadership and our government that, that they make the wise decisions, God, in, in that, that we, we, we support that. And, and, and God, just, just help us uh, as a country come together. Uh, help us love our neighbors like you love us, Jesus. Uh, thank you so much uh, for just, just the technology provided to where we can even do this. Uh, thank you for Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Um, as he prayed there, I was reminded uh, just that our, our theme this year is that we are moving forward. And, and we spent two weeks talking about moving forward in fellowship. And one of, the, one of the key things about that is that our fellowship has to move beyond the 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. time frame. And we talked about that. And now's our chance to actually make that happen. Now's our chance uh, to pick up the phone and send a text, pick up the phone and make a phone call, send an email, uh, to, to take the initiative to make contact with each other, uh, to see how we can be an encouragement, how we can pray for, uh, do all those things that we know we're, we're called to do. Well, now we have to do them. 
Uh, we have to take the initiative and uh, follow those leadings and those commands that we find in Scripture. Um, one particular thing that I just want to challenge some of you to do and take, take that initiative and be a leader in is setting up some, some FaceTime or Facebook Messenger prayer times. Uh, just get a few people together uh, in an evening or during a lunch break or something and just say, hey, let's spend 15 minutes just, just praying together and praying for each other, praying for the church. Uh, that's just one simple thing, and we're going to give uh, more challenges as, as time persists, uh, but that's that's one particular one that I want to encourage you in. And so uh, we're going to do a few worship songs this morning, and uh, you can sing along there uh, in your home with your family or by yourself. And uh, since you're at home, and if you're by yourself, you can sing as loud as you want uh, because nobody's going to be able to hear you. And uh, we want to make this as worshipful as we can. Uh, this is one of those songs that we have uh, introduced recently called I Want to Know You.
joy, your beauty and glory are endless, oh Jesus, I must know you more, I want to know you, Jesus, my Lord, King of the Jesus to know you, then know you more. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own Oh 
hold o'er my being absolute sway fill with this spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. Life is filled with tough stuff. Years ago, I came across these words written by author and teacher Charles Swindoll. He writes, life is a coat that never fits right. We're forever cinching up here taking in there, letting out over here. Life doesn't fit our plans. We exist in a continual state of maneuvering, adjusting, shifting, believing, and often doubting. Those words have never seemed so true than right now as I stand in an empty room videoing a sermon that you will watch alone with your family on Sunday morning, and all because of something that we can't even see with the human eye. And it breaks my heart that I cannot look you in the eye, shake your hand, wrap my arms around your neck and give you a hug as you receive this word from the Lord this morning. Because for many of you, COVID-19 has been the least of your concerns this week. The trials of life have been overwhelming. And it's for this reason that we're going to do what we don't often do, and that is deviate from our current study, which is Galatians. As it became very clear to me at the beginning of the week that gathering would not be feasible safe or wise, the Spirit brought to my mind James chapter 1. The opening verse of James reads this way, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greeting. As we discussed a couple of weeks ago, the Roman letter always begins with an introduction of the author and receiver, and the author of this letter is James. James is the pastor at the church in Jerusalem. He was just mentioned last week in Galatians where Paul wrote that in Jerusalem, three years after his conversion, he only met with Peter for 15 days, none of the other apostles, except for, he says, James. This is the James he was speaking of, the pastor at the church. But there's another very important fact about James. He calls himself the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the important fact is this, he is the brother of Jesus. Technically, he's the half-brother of Jesus. He is one of the sons of Joseph and Mary, one of the, the brothers of Jesus that did not believe he was who he said he was throughout the gospel accounts. But he is one that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, where it says that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to James. And so James, the brother of Jesus, the pastor of the Jerusalem church, is writing to the 12 tribes in dispersion. And he's writing to his brothers and his sisters in Christ who are not able to gather with him for worship. 
He's writing to his brothers and sisters who have been dispersed. And so now you probably see why the Spirit brought this particular passage to my mind. For the next couple of weeks, we are dispersed. But why are we dispersed? Well, for us, it's a choice of wisdom. Why were they dispersed? For them, it was because of persecution. It was disease. It was famine. It was poverty. All of those things together. Jerusalem was not doing well in these days. And many of the people that James loved were forced to move away. But his love persists, as does mine, for you during these strange days. But Pastor James doesn't waste time in sharing a word from the Lord with the people he loves, and neither will I. So let's look together, if you have your Bibles there, open it to James chapter 1, and I want to read verse 2, 3, and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Father, we pray now your blessing on this, your word. We pray, Spirit, that you would take these truths and move them through time, move them through space, and work your work in the hearts of your people. Today we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In these opening lines, James encourages us regarding the way we handle the trials of life. How we deal with the tough stuff that comes our way. This morning I have two points for us to consider. And the first one is this. We handle trials by embracing them. Now to embrace something means to accept something. We, we give it a, a big hug. Something that we're, we're not supposed to do right now according to the medical professionals. But embracing a trial seems like a very odd thing to do, doesn't it? But the command couldn't be more clear that we are to count it all joy when we meet trials. Well, we need to take a moment and consider what James says here about trials. First, we need to understand that trials do not naturally produce joy. And I think you're probably well aware of that point. That's why there's a command to count it joy or consider it joy. Because at face value, trials do not seem like something that is joyous. It truly is a matter of considering for us what is real over what we feel in that moment. We're forced to weigh our feelings and emotions against the truth that we find in God's Word. Truth that we'll talk about in just a few moments. I like what uh, commentator Phillips writes in explaining this verse. Commentator is not his first name. He, he's a commentator and wrote a book. His last name's Phillips. He says this, when trials come, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. That's what James is saying here. Count it all joy. 
Now this backwards way of living is what we see in the apostles in the book of Acts when they rejoice because they were beaten for speaking in the name of Jesus. This backwards way of living is what we find in the book of Acts again where we find Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail singing at midnight. So the first point, trials, they don't naturally produce Joy. The second thing we need to understand, though, about trials is this, that, that they come. They, they will come. James is very clear that we will all face trials because he uses the word whenever. Whenever the trials come, they will happen. Paul was clear with the churches in Galatia in Acts 14. Again, I love the connections we can make because we've, we've been circling around these same truths uh, for the last couple of weeks. But here's what he said to them. He said, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus was very clear in the Gospels that if we are going to follow him, we will face trials like he faced trials. The Christian life following Jesus is not one of ease and it is not one of comfort. Longtime missionary and not a stranger to hardship herself, Amy Carmichael wrote this, Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear the, thy sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail your, your bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned me against the tree to die. Rent by ravening beast that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound? No scar? Yes, as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole. Can he have followed far? Who has no wound nor scar? Amy Carmichael's point, following Jesus always leaves scars and wounds. The third thing we need to understand about the trials is this, that they come, and they come quickly, and they come in a variety of forms. The word James uses here is, is falling. He says we, we fall into the trials. It's the idea of like falling into a band of robbers, robbers that are hiding in wait for us to turn around the corner. Trials come when we least expect them to come. They come quickly. But they also come in a variety of ways and forms. Just this week, trials have come that we certainly did not anticipate. When you go to the grocery store to get the items that you need for your meal, and you can't find them. Vacations that were planned months ago that you're now unable to take. Deposits that you, you might not get back. Think of our high school seniors. How, how difficult it is to, what it seems like, have the, the rug pulled out from under you as you near the end and all the things that are exciting. And some of them may not happen. Hours being cut at work or your work being taken away completely. Pregnancy complications that some of our members are facing. 
Marriages that seem to be coming unraveled and falling apart. Family members that we love making decisions that break our hearts. As these are the variety of trials that, that we face. And we could go on and on about the trials. And it's to these things, though, that James has the audacity to say, count it all joy. Let's be honest, joy is not our go-to reaction to the trials. It's bitterness and anger and guilt and doubt and pride. Those are the ones that seem right. Yet James says, choose joy instead. You see, trials pull us in one of two directions. We either move towards our self-interest in a trial or we move towards God's interest in the trial. And so how is it that we can choose God's interest? How can we choose joy in the trial? Well, notice once again verses 3 and 4. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness Steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 3 begins, for you know, for you know. This means in order for us to consider the trial's joy, there is something that we must know. Something bigger than the trial, really someone bigger than the trial. We must know the God who is at work in our lives. We must know and acknowledge that the, the trial is intended by God to test our faith. Just one book further into the New Testament, Peter writes this, chapter one, verse seven, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're being tested. We know we're being tested like gold that is being refined. This testing, this trial, this fire produces steadfastness, which is a, a greater endurance, greater patience. Someone once said that, that endurance is faith stretched out. And consider Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph. Consider his trials of being betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery and betrayed by Potiphar's wife and, and left in prison for a number of years. Consider his faith during that time, his character. You see, the faith that he had, the Joseph we meet at the end of the book is a Joseph that has been through the fire. Years of various trials. And he's able to say things like, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Joseph, Joseph, I don't believe if we set him down and said, what would you change? I don't think he would say he would change anything. Because he was able to look back and see that the Lord was with him and the Lord was working the entire time. We must also know and acknowledge the timing of God's work. The, the command in verse four is that we must let steadfastness work. But, but why is it that we need a command here? Why do we need to let it work? Because our natural tendency is to escape, 
to do everything we can to avoid the trial. We, we may see it coming and we want to get around it or we want to run away from it. Sometimes our tendency is to explain the trial. We do everything we can to try to understand it. But that's not always feasible. It's certainly not always possible. Job went through what he went through and, and we, we never know if he understood why he went through what he went through. See, there are secret things that belong to the Lord our God and things that are revealed to us. And many of those secrets happen in the trial. We don't know exactly what God is doing. Uh, we don't know when this thing will end. We don't know all of the answers. Sometimes we want the explanation. But I think the most popular option, instead of letting steadfastness work, is we try to exit the trial. We bolt for the emergency door. At the first feeling of discomfort, we're trying to get out. We just want relief. And so we file for divorce. It's the quickest way out. We, we change jobs. We binge on Netflix so that we can forget the pressure and the weight and the stress. We, we take our own life so that we might exit the trial that we're in. But we have to understand that God does not work on our timetable. And as I've said to several people this week, He, God, is more interested. Jesus is more interested in our response to the trial than He is interested in our relief to, from the trial. We want relief. God wants our response. The final thing we need to know and acknowledge so we can consider our trials joy is God's, God's purpose in the trial. And the answer is this simple, it's maturity. When trials come, one of the first questions asked is this, why would a loving God allow me to go through this? I thought he loved me. And so often did that particular question Followers of Jesus shrug their shoulders as if we don't have any answers to their questions. But the reality is we, we do have answers. In fact, we have multiple answers to why God allows and brings suffering and trials into our lives. He does it to test and strengthen our faith. That's what Peter wrote. He does it to humble us and remind us that our trust must always be in Him. This is what he told Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, that my grace is sufficient for you. It's in your weakness that I'm strong. He does it to wean us from our dependence on worldly things and, and in, on the opposite end to call us to eternal and heavenly hope. He, he, he allows trials to reveal what we really love. What are we loving more than God? What are we loving more than neighbor? He allows trials to teach us to value His blessings. He allows trials to deepen our fellowship with Jesus so that we might know His suffering, as Paul says to the Philippians. And that's a good one right there. To deepen our fellowship with Jesus. He suffered as no one else has ever suffered before. And we get a taste of that in the trial. He does it to enable us to be better equipped to help other people who go through 
trials. We have a, a great example of this in our own church. Several years ago, uh, our own Tina Chambers was in a, an accident that it's only miraculous that she survived. And through months and months of rehabilitation, um, uh, she has made great strides, and God has been very gracious. There's still pain, but Tina was well-equipped to help Liz last fall and continue to help Liz. Tina understands what Liz Brand is going through in a way that I cannot because Tina has walked that trial. She's walked through those things. And finally, trials come to develop in us an enduring strength for greater service to Jesus. This is what he says in James 1.4. They come so that our strength might endure. James says that this endurance leads to maturity. The word here is teleos, which means that we would be, in a sense, perfect. Not, not perfect, perfect, but mature. One who has endured is a faithful disciple. But also, that person is, is a faithful and capable maker of disciples. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that the one who endures and is steadfast through the trial, they are complete. They, they have gained victory in their life. And they lack nothing. In other words, in the end, this Jesus follower looks a lot more like Jesus than they look like their old self. They are being conformed to the image of Christ. And so the questions we have to consider today are these. Is our holiness worth the trial? Is becoming more like Jesus worth the trial? Can I endure the trial that I'm in knowing that God is using this to cultivate greater spiritual fruit in my life? Are His reasons for the trial enough for me to consider it joy. In the end, it really does come down to, to this. Can I trust Him? Will I trust Him? And this really comes down to this question. Do I know Him? Because here's the thing. If you know Him, you will trust Him. You will know that He is good. You will know that He is faithful. You will know that He is right. You will know that He has given you His Son. And as Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, he says, How shall the one who has given you His Son not freely give you all of the other things that you need? That's my paraphrase. Do you know his goodness? I want to close with a few implications, just some things for us to consider, and that's number one is this. Pray for wisdom and faith when you're in the trial. The next verse is very pointed to everything he's just said. Verse five says, if any of you lack wisdom, then let him ask God who gives generously. When you're in the trial, it's okay to ask God for wisdom. Wisdom is, is not getting all of the answers. That's not the demand that I need to know when this is going to end. Wisdom is the ability to navigate through the trial 
with steadfastness and faith. Pray for wisdom in the trial. Second, invite others into your trial. When we are in the middle of a trial, we tend to make up our own rules. We tend to make up our own truths in that particular trial. Martial law takes over and we're the martial. Or we may in that trial begin to demand those answers from God. We want to know when this is going to end. We want to know the details of why this is happening. All of which God is not uh, obligated to give. And that's why it's important that we invite other people into our trials so that they can be truth speakers. They can speak truth to the lies that are presenting themselves. They can speak truth to the fears. They can speak truth to the the things that we're imagining. And that's why church is so very important. It's why being the body of Jesus is so very important. We've got to get involved in each other's lives so that when the trials come, you can invite people in. People that you know, people that you trust. Three, and this one's really hard. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Well, I know that's a tough one. But complaint and grumbling are the opposite of joy. Complaint and grumbling are the opposite of embracing the trial. If you notice... Uh, complaint, then, then what do you do? We repent. We recognize that there's, there's something wrong. I'm not obeying and considering it joy. I'm not taking into account all that God is doing in this particular trial and in this moment. We need to repent in that moment. We cry out to our high priest. Our high priest, it says in Hebrews chapter four, who gets what it's like because he has been tempted and tried in every way that we have, yet without sin. And he says, when you need grace and when you need mercy, boldly come. When we see complaint and grumbling in our lives, we need to go to the throne of grace. Four, don't try and escape what God is doing. If we don't embrace the trial, if we don't give the trial a hug, we are abandoning an opportunity to grow to be like Christ, which is not a very Christ follower thing to do because our goal in following Jesus is to to fellowship with him, to be like him. So when the trials come, Trust God through the trial. Don't try to find a way out of the trial. Instead, you can say, you can sing with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Trust him. Even through the pain Let's pray.
Father, I pray this word from you, not mine, this is a word from you would be received. And that my brothers and sisters that I dearly love, who are fighting through some of the, the greatest trials they've ever faced in their lives, would count it all joy knowing that you're at work. That you, you love them. That you are good. And that you're working everything together. In your time, in your wisdom, in your way, in your power. For our good. To conform us to the image of Jesus. Thank you that we have these promises to lean on through the difficult times. Help us to be faithful to share them with one another. We pray asking these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before we close out this virtual church service, I want to issue one challenge to you, something that you can you can turn your computer, your TV off, and just talk through. Um, if you're by yourself, maybe spend some time uh, considering and then make a phone call to another church member. But if you're with your family, spend some time talking over your present trials in life. Possibly, maybe even some past trials that you've gone through. And, and walk that trial through James 1, 2 through 4. Uh, how, how did you endure how did God develop in you steadfastness? And how did He prepare you and make you more mature, more Christ-like? How did He use that to, to enable you to help other people through their trials? Have this conversation with your family. Talk through these kinds of questions together. And uh, spend some time praying for each other. Spend some time praying for those in our MetaView family who who are enduring significant trials even now. And so we are going to dismiss. We're going to cut the video. Uh, but know that I'm praying for you this week. Reach out. Encourage one another this week. And uh, we will have more information about what's to come this next Sunday. I don't know if we're going back to Galatians or not. Uh, but I will have more information as we move through the week. I do know that we will not meet in the church building on the 29th, uh, but we will have another uh, service per video for you to enjoy and worship. God bless.